Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. Glad you're here. Um, thank you. Um, if you are new, if this is the first time you've been here, if this, uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's not the first time, but you haven't been here often, uh, if you have any questions, just ask somebody near you, uh, poke them, ask them, some pieces of paper uh, every once in a while in the front of like a, a pew or a seat. Kind of help explain what's right there. It is, yeah, right there. It'll kind of explain what's going on here on the sides uh, with the banners. Um, we are in the midst of studying a book. It's really not a book. It's a letter. Uh, it's a letter that is in the New Testament. It's called Colossians. It was written by a guy named Paul uh, to a church, uh, a group of people in a city called Coloss. And he's having a specific conversation about them. We've been doing this for a few weeks. So, so let, me, let me kind of catch you up on what's going on with this letter. Paul is writing this letter to this church um, because something has happened in this church. So I'll give you an illustration. This will explain everything you need to know about what's going on in this church and why Paul's writing this letter. Human children, um, after they are born, they're... they're completely reliant on their guardians. Are we, are we together so far? Same page? Completely reliant on, on, their, on their guardians. Like, they can't run, they can't walk, they can't talk, they, they, can do, they can't feed themselves, they, nothing. Like, they are completely reliant on their guardians. These, these human children, okay? Human children. Um, and so for like the first decade... Like, everything they learn, they learn from the guardians, from the parents, from those who are spending the most time around them. Everything they learn is, is, is from them. But then something happens around the age of 12 or 13, and I don't know exactly what it is, and it only seems to happen with human children, but human children around the age of 12 or 13 somehow accelerate past all the knowledge of their previous guardians. Thus, they know everything. With me? It's only human children. It's amazing how they are, like, all they know, all they know came from you as parents or guardians, right? That's all they know. They've only learned it from you. And then there's, like, this age to where suddenly them and the rest of all other human children that same age know everything. Everything. You are now an idiot. You once were wise. You once like had all the answers. Your band-aids were awesome. Your kisses made pain go away. Everything you cooked was yummy. Now they have an opinion. Welcome to Coloss. They outgrew Jesus in their mind. Jesus got them to the place where they are, but then suddenly something happened. It shifted. Let me give you a little bit of math. Okay, here's a little bit of math for you. Jesus plus anything else equals idolatry. Jesus plus anything else. You know what, though? I I really kind of relate well with, like, like the the Buddhist uh, wisdom stuff. Like, like I, I so get that. And I think I can live by some of that and some of this. Jesus plus anything equals idolatry. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. 
It's a little bit of math I stole from a, uh, from a guy I went to school with uh, who now teaches at the college. Yeah, I think it's pretty brilliant. Coloss was in this place where this is what they're doing. So now, if you're, if you're fairly new, you haven't been a part of this, this study of this series, here's a few questions for you. So why does this letter written by a guy I don't know to a people group I'm unfamiliar with about this topic have anything or any relevance with me in my life. Exactly. Exactly. See, that's the magic about what the Word of God does. The Word of God is timeless. It doesn't exist inside of the confines of like, oh, that's old news. If I came up to you and I said to you, did you read the Wall Street Journal uh, last year's uh, uh, January um, uh, 23rd? Did you read that? Can you believe that news? Did you just ask me if I read news a year ago? Like, if, it, if I read it and if I was amazed by it? It's, it's old news. Scripture has the ability to continue to be fresh and be able to be seen with brand new eyes all the time. Why? Because it exists outside of our limitations. Because it comes from a source that existed outside of our limitations. Listen, this is not a long sermon it's about to push against the boundaries of what your mind is capable to understand. Not because I'm so smart. I, w- I, had, I nearly had, you know, three coronaries, like, trying to work through it. Like, tangled up in a knot, went and saw my therapist. That's not true. I should have. <laughs> Just because it, for whatever reason, gets real deep, real fast. That's the beauty of what Paul is telling this church right here. So, we'll jump into it, and we'll go, Okay. First, uh, Colossians 1, verse 21 and 22. Only two verses. That's all we're going to cover. Let me read verse 21. Verse 21 is this. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Not hard, right? We're there. Once you were... Now, here's what happens. You hear that. Once you were alienated from God and you were enemies of Him in your own mind, because of your behavior. So here's what we do as very egocentric uh, humans. I've oftentimes felt like God is my enemy. I've oftentimes felt like I have been estranged from God. I've oftentimes felt like God's not hearing me and I'm not hearing Him. I've often felt like God is mad at me. So yes, this makes sense. Here's the beauty of this passage. That's true. The majority of us have always felt this way or have felt this way at some point in our life. That we are somehow an enemy of God by the things that we have done. That might be true, but that's not what Paul's talking about. Paul is not talking about your emotions. Paul's talking about something more factual. This is an analytical report. Mathematical report. Who are they? And God reports back enemies. Hold on, wait. God is... We were once enemies of God? Absolutely. Well, what's he so mad about? What's what's God got to be angry about? Well, it's really not about anger. It's about we have separated ourselves. We all exist inside of relationships that have boundaries and have rules. Correct? And you could have somebody close to you who you absolutely love... From the depths of your being. And you can make a mistake and make them your enemy. True or false? Absolutely true. 
All relationships have this. How can somebody love somebody so much and then something happens and now it's not even like the love diminished, the love changed, the love left. It moved out, got a U-Haul, moved away, somebody else moved into the neighborhood and it's over there flying the bird out the window at the person that it previously loved. What, are you serious? 100% serious. That's real. So then how in the world did we get in the situation to where once we were alienated from God? This is what they call a disjunctive particle. Once. It's, it's like fairy tales. It's like nursery rhymes. It's like the stories we grew up on. Once upon a time. You know what once means? Once, crap's about to get bad. <laughs> it's what it means, really. Once upon a time, then what? <clears throat> That's what it is. Once, you were alienated from God, enemies of Him in your mind and your behavior. Once upon a time. Why in the world would we be alienated from God? Well, the word alienated means estranged. Don't know Him. Where He looks at us and says, don't know them. Don't know them, they don't know me. We're estranged. We are apart. Once you were enemies, hated. The word is hated. Oh, do you feel hated by God? Not the point. God has hated us. Well, that's not very nice. I thought God was all loving. Well, He can only be all loving if He's got vengeance, correct? And so suddenly, God turns into this thing of like, here's the report. You were broke and outside of my love and care. I cannot get any closer to you. You are not holy. Once, that was the story. Here's the great thing about a disjunctive particle. Is it has to be followed by what they call an adversative article. But. You know what but means? Uh-uh, that's what it means. Like, once, but. It's us. Here comes the other half, verse 22. Let me read this to you. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through, the, through death to present you holy in his sight. You see, it's more about status than it is about emotions. I must be an enemy of God because I feel terrible about myself. No, that's not it. It's a status. If you are a citizen, you're a citizen, correct? You're a citizen. You get to vote if you want to. Some of you can carry a handgun if you want to. You can make a picket sign. You can stand almost in front of any building you want to. Why? Because you're a citizen. You've got rights, and that's what happens here. It's about status. That's my status. I'm not a man with no country. I have a country. This is it. I was born in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Thus, I get to be a part of the great states. That's what I get to be. Status of us, once we were alienated. 
people with no country, no kingdom. We had no king. We were a mess. We were out on the outskirts of everything. But now, through the death of Jesus Christ, we are made citizens and changed. Here's, here's what it means. Our status is restored. The word is reconciled. Okay, are you with, still with me so far? Okay. I'm going to trust you are. Because it's going to get weird in a minute, all right? Reconciled is the word that means fully restored. So let me ask you something. Do you remember a moment in your life when you and God were fully restored? No struggles, no pain. You saw him face to face. You worshiped him in all of his glory with Jesus and all of the angels. Does anybody remember that time? None of you? Well, was it, was it when I get baptized? Okay. Well, I mean... That's salvation and that happened in your life. Was it when I like accepted Jesus? I identified with him? That's kind of, it's kind of what I mean. But what I'm talking about is this. Were you fully restored to be able to stand in the presence of God himself? See him face to face? The answer is no. So then when did this happen? Brace yourself. Your existence started before you ever remember. <laughs> Some of you are like, Your existence started before you were ever aware of it. Here's an example. We are tied to the laws of physics. Right? Without an apparatus of some sort, we are bound by gravity. There's four dimensions inside of our world. Length, height, Wit, time, and all of those things are around us and construct the world that we live in. We are bound by them. You have no other option except to get old. That's what you have. The clock keeps ticking. It doesn't matter how many green smoothies you drink or how much yoga you do, you're getting old. 39 has not been fun for me. It's been revealing, but it hasn't been fun. We are bound by these laws. This is the world that we live in. Now hold on. God doesn't come from here. He comes from a different place. A multi-dimensional spiritual realm outside of what we have. Okay? God is not bound by time. God is not bound by space or matter. God holds time, space, matter, length, height, width, depth, time, everything in his hands. Basically, we are a sandbox, a four-dimensional sandbox inside of the rest of the universe. Some of you are like lost, 100% like lost. This is our world. We exist inside of these, this little bitty space with all these limitations, but God does not. The world that we live in is made up of matter. It's contingent on time, space, it's tied to gravity, the laws of physics, all of it right there. That's our world. But check this out. We did not come from here. Our base was somewhere else. Our origins were elsewhere. Let me read you a verse. Ephesians 1, 
3 and 4. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Here we go. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. He chose us before the foundations of the world. Do you know what kind of fabric, spiritual material we are made of? Divine. That's why we don't work here very well. That's why our crap doesn't work inside this universe very good. When we start trying to take our spirituality and blend it into the world, it doesn't work. That's why we run up against these walls and it's like, I don't have an answer for this. It's because it's not here. It's because that's not our world. This is not our world. We were made from another place, intended to live in another place. Now we're bound by all these things. So then how does this happen? How does this happen? Do you remember verse 17 from a week, uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago? Verse 17. Jesus is before all things. Now remember, we talked about the construction of the sentence. The construction of the sentence is this. It should say Jesus was before all things. That's the way it would say it if, if we were talking about who's in line. Well, it was him, then it was him, and then it was him, and then it was him. Who's first? Well, he was before everybody else, so he's first. But not Jesus. Jesus is not bound by time. He's not bound by space and matter and all this. Jesus is, meaning then and now, is before all things. Still with me? Numbers are falling off. Jesus was with us, present, prior to sin, prior to creation, prior to busted relationships. He was with us. Why? Then how can he undo everything? Is it that he just kind of went back in time and undid all these sins? Well, it brings up this question, doesn't it? April 33 AD, Jesus resurrected from the tomb, right? We call it, not Halloween, very good, Easter. We call it Easter, right? So we have this date, and this becomes the point, the, the point in time in our world when salvation happened for the world. So, 33 AD on, everybody who has accepted Jesus finds a brand new life in Christ. Go ahead and ask the question. So what about the people that were born before 33 AD? What about those people? People who died before that? People who... Was God late? Why did he pick such a bad time? Why didn't he just do it in the beginning and save everybody instead of like, stop? Because God is not bound by time. And Jesus is before all things. I warned you, I warned you, Paul's taking us to the deep end of the pool and half of us will drown. This is is what's going on. Jesus is before all things. So by him coming in the flesh, living underneath our limitations and, and our boundaries, he reconciled all the human race from that point, prior and now. We are made the same fabric. When Paul says, once we were alienated from Christ, once we were alienated from God, in our minds, and enemies because of our actions, then we were reconciled. What he is saying is this. 
you will be restored to your former way of life. But I don't, but I don't know what that is like. Paul explains. Without blemish, free from accusation, and holy. Holy, meaning sacred, set apart. Unblemished, not spotted, not sinful. The word is that we are seen as and we had to make up a word to get here, okay? We had to make this word up. Unblameable. I am unblameable before God when I am in Christ. I am unblameable. And then the last one, free from accusation. This is beautiful. That means that within the court of the heavens, with God as the judge, under the scrutiny of his own eye, that he will, check this out, evaluate and fully investigate every single one of us and find us unconvictable. Do I live my life on this planet like I am made to live this life? I think not. I'm too busy moaning and groaning and whining and complaining. I'm too busy setting up all sorts of houses and tents, building my world here because this is where I live and this is what this is going to be. Aren't you tired of this? You tired of how dastardly and broken this world gets? How finite it is? Oh, there are joys. There are great joys. There are wonderful, beautiful things in this world. Fantastic relationships that fill our hearts with joy. But at the end of the day, listen, don't they all fall apart at some point? Don't those things get busted up? And we have to go shopping for a brand new fix. Paul says to the Colossians, listen, the world's going to fall apart around you, but you have to remember where you came from. Once you were alienated from God, but you've got to remember, you serve a God that is not bound by these rules, and neither is your very fabric. You're created to live in, a, in the most powerful way possible. Which beckons another question. Why did God put us here then? Couldn't we have just all lived happily ever after, like once upon a time and happily ever after in heaven alone? Just with each other and him? Wouldn't that make more sense? Why put us through this? Is God an angry kid with a magnifying glass burning up anthills? No. No. Unfortunately, a question like that is way too big for me. But I can tell you this. God is an artist. And an artist creates because an artist creates. It is an overflow of who the person is and they just make stuff. Do you know people like this? Doesn't matter what they do, they're just making stuff. You Pinterest people, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like where you're like refinishing end tables, you know, crackling them and spray painting them turquoise or whatever you do to them, you know what I mean? Like you make, because why are you making that? Because we needed a turquoise for it to hold the coffee? No. Do you paint rooms in your home because it's more functional that way? Well, no. So then what's the deal? 
Because you're an artist. You have a thing inside of you that screams about creativity and God's heart is a creator and what he does is just explodes and overflows and thus we are here. And it was at one time perfect. It was beautiful. And we messed it up. He made a way in the beginning to fix it all. And that is the timeless, eternal, infinite being of Jesus Christ. Who sees the sins you're going to commit. Who has seen the sins you have committed. And has already on both ends reconciled you to God if you make that choice. We'll close with just a small illustration. If, you've not, if you have not given your life to Jesus Christ. Now listen, I know. This is like a bunch of like scientific stuff. And I'm way outside my depth. You with me? If you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, let me give you an example of what it's like. If I went to go buy a basketball, it would cost me about $17.50. A basketball in my hands is about $17, worth about $17.50. That same basketball in the hands of LeBron James <laughs> is worth about $30 million. Think of baseball, I could probably buy one for $450. But in the hands of a guy named Zobrist, about $10 million. And probably going up. If you gave me a Lunchable, it would be a decent snack for me. You hand Jesus a Lunchable, and suddenly it's a feast for thousands. If you take a handful of nails, and you hand them to me, I might be able to pull off a birdhouse. Maybe. But nails in the hands of Jesus Christ did something completely different. You see, your life in your hands is useless. It's useless. But your life in the hands of the artist, in the creator who made you from the divine fabric that you are woven from, you are unbelievable. You're empowered. You're amazing. You have the potential to change everything around you. But it has to be in His hands. It can't be in our own hands. Let me read you this next, uh, this next passage. We'll close. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through the death, through death, to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Verse 23, here's our responsibility. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard from us that has been proclaimed to you and every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, have become a servant. That our responsibility is to hold to the faith. Here's what I want you to think about this week. When these trials come up in our life, when it's scooters and crutches and cuss words, um, which has been my world lately, when it's, 
when it's uh, late payments, when it's collections calls, when it's busted relationships, when it's bad grades, when it's the end of jobs, when it's the broken end of relationships, here's what I want you to think about. I'm not from here. I'm not even made to be here. I mean, I can exist here and this is where God has put me for now, but this is not where I'm from. And this is not my home. I'm made from something completely different. And, and, and there, I will not be bound by time. I will not be bound by space and matter. There I will be seen as I really am. And I've told you this before. I can't wait to get to heaven because there's a really, really good version of me that exists. And I want you to see it. This is what you get now, but there, I'm top shelf. I'm top shelf. So are you. So are you. Let's pray, and we will uh, beat the Assemblies of God Church to Pizza Hut. <laughs> Lord, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful for, Lord, the stuff that you, you challenge us with, that you, that you uh, push into our minds and, and force us to have to deal with something on a completely different level. Lord, thank you for not letting us get hung up in the constant rut of this world. Lord, to know that there is hope outside of this. And thank God for that. But we ask that you will move in our hearts and our lives. Lord, remind us daily and weekly that there are things going on around us inside of this enormous, vast expanse that has so little to do with this tiny sandbox we are currently in. Lord, we love you. Pray that you'll continue to move in our hearts and our life and in this church. Lord, until that day when you uh, return you come for us, Lord, we ask that you will help us to hold on to the faith. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful Sunday afternoon.